Hello and welcome to episode 233 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And two weeks of the preseason are in the books. Only one week of God's game remains, and then it's on to the regular season. It's an incredibly busy time of year, I think, but also really a great time to be alive, I think, Evan. We did a fun 1900 draft last night on YouTube. Check that out if you haven't seen it yet. How's it going today, buddy? It's going good. It's going good. I, I, I like our team for the most part that we drafted. Uh, it was a fun experience. I think that the people that you know participated in the chat had a fun time as well. Also, the people need to check out your interview with Adam Schefter. Just an excellent conversation. He is a great dude. Uh, so like down to earth and grounded and he's funny and uh, people should absolutely check that. Out. I think it's a must listen. Yeah, he's the man. Uh, okay. On today's show, we're going to talk changes in the rankings stemming from injuries of which we've had some significant ones, news, preseason usage, and how all that integrates in Silva's latest top 150. Remember that all the rankings in our draft kit, which by the way is just $34.99, are updating continuously for the news and what we think matters. Also, Silva just published his overvalued and bust article. Check that out. I will have abusing the default rankings up by Friday. I think if, I mean, I was going through some of the apps today, the, the apps on Sleeper and Yahoo and ESPN. And I mean, my God, it is going to be an absolute print fest if people are drafting off of those default rankings. So you want to be aware of those going in to the draft. Also, if you plan to play DFS this season, aka the best form of fantasy, be sure you scoop up our bundle package. If you only have the draft kit right now and you want to upgrade to bundle, shoot a note to support at EstablishTheRun.com. And lastly, a reminder that this program is indeed brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Best way to get ready for your fantasy draft is to be in the real money best ball streets. Their puppy tournament is just $5 to get in. If you sign up for our draft kit and you've never had an underdog account before, you get a $35 credit, easy game. Even if you already have an underdog account, they'll just give you $10 because you have the ETR draft kit. All right, let's get into it here, Evan. And we have bad news to start. Real bad news, actually. Feel bad for the kid. Obviously feel bad for anybody who's drafted him. Travis Etienne is going to miss the entire season after injuring his foot against the Saints on Monday night football. Sad times. And it's sad because I think Evan had some sharp plays on Jaguars to win the AFC South. I think that hurts that. I think it hurts Trevor Lawrence. I think it helps James Robinson, who I personally had a pretty big fade on. Evan, immediate reactions to Travis Etienne missing the entire season. Yeah, it sucks. I, I hate injuries, but, um, you know, the, the beat must go on. And, and James Robinson was actually in uh, the, the overvalued section, and he's going to – I'm going to have to pull him out um, because he's going to rocket up the rankings. I mean, he's probably going to end up, um, I don't know, somewhere around RB20 overall, if not a little bit higher. He does have a three-down skill set, as he showed as an undrafted rookie. Last year, Carlos Hyde is almost certainly going to be involved, but he's never been a particularly adept pass catcher. And I think that at the end of the day, James Robinson is now staring back at a role where he could see 16 to 20 touches a game. Yeah. And uh, by the way, it's 12.15 on Tuesday. This news just broke from Adam Schefter, who we just mentioned about five minutes ago. We, haven't had, we have not had a chance to fully digest this yet. I will say that I think James Robinson was a fade for me because lack of pass game role. I mean, it was so clear to me Travis Etienne was going to take a lot of the pass game work and siphon off a decent amount of early down work. Now you can project James Robinson, who was running with the first team on a majority of early down snaps. Anyways, 
as the every down back. Go back and listen to Brandon talk about this Jaguars offensive line. Jaguars offensive line could be very good. So, man, James Robinson is going to scream up the boards. Our rankings will be updating for that by the time this comes out. Any other effects on the Jaguars? You think pass game, Chenault? I mean, there was some risk that Chenault was going to overlap with Travis Etienne. That is out the window mm-hmm. now. And I still like LaVisca Chenault is my favorite of the Jaguars wide receivers. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think that uh, LaVisca Chenault is going to see some upward movement uh, on uh, my top 150 as a player that, you know, they they had sort of designated a role, uh, like a gadget role and a manufactured touch role that Urban Meyer initially wanted Kadarius Toney to fill, but he went in front of the Jags. They went with Travis Etienne. Now Travis Etienne's out for the year. I think if you look at throughout the rest of their depth chart, throughout the rest of their skill positions, LaVisca Chenault makes the most sense to fill that role in addition to he was already locked into the the slot receiver duties. So, uh, yeah, I think that he's going to move up uh, at least a few spots in the top 150. All right, be sure you're checking out the rankings. Again, these will be updated by the time this podcast comes out. I want to move on to the rushing rookie quarterbacks who have been a huge part of our draft process this year, Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I'm, I don't want to say worried, but I thought it was at least notable that on 63 preseason snaps, Trey Lance has only rushed one time, one time for eight yards. Meanwhile, Justin Fields in about 70 snaps, nine carries, 79 yards, and one touchdown. I'm curious what you think, Evan. Do you think this is a preseason thing with Trey Lance not running? Do you think this is the coaches telling him, hey, don't go out there and get killed? It's the preseason. Work on your progressions. Or is Trey Lance maybe more of a pocket passer than we envisioned? And to me, I still like Trey Lance, but that would cap his ceiling plenty. What do you think about Trey Lance not rushing hardly at all in the preseason? I really don't make anything of it. I, I I don't have any strong takeaways from it, you know, from a negative standpoint that they're not going to use him as a runner. I think that, you know, actually go back and listen to the Schefter pod. And he talked about how it was really Trey Lance's uh, football IQ and football intelligence that really put him over the edge uh, when they were making that, that third overall pick. But um, it also, I, I'm sure, had to do with, well, and Schefter mentioned this, that there were just th- things that Trey Lance could do on the field that Mac Jones could not, and one of them is be a, a dynamic dual threat, and he absolutely was at North Dakota State. Uh, in his second year there, his uh, only full year as a starter, he ran for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns, and he averaged, over the course of his college career, seven yards per carry, so... I absolutely think that's going to be a big part of their offense, just like it was with Kyle Shanahan in Washington with RG3. Yeah, and Trey Lance played a reasonably good game in the preseason game. Still expect him to have at least a 50-50 shot, if not better, to start week one. Meanwhile, though, man, Justin Fields, I mean, it would be humiliating to start Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. And yeah, you can say the offensive line is a disaster. That's true. But Justin Fields has the legs to avoid it. Andy Dalton is going to get killed back there. Justin Fields already nine carries, 79 yards, and one touchdown in roughly 70 snaps or so, a little bit more than one game's worth. So yeah, with the offensive line situation, I mean, I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are actually really close right now. I know Trey Lance goes a good round or two before Trey Lance, but I'm encouraged by what I've seen from Justin Fields in the preseason. How close do you think he is to Trey Lance right now? Yeah, I think that the the gap, if there was a, a big one, I think it is absolutely narrowed. I think that you can put more trust into the 49ers offense as an entity than you can uh, into the Bears offense. 
But from a rushing standpoint, I mean, there he's going to have to play with his hair on fire um, at times because of the offensive line. It's going to put him in position to uh, have a, a lot of scrambles this year, not just the design runs, but the scrambles. And that rushing uh, line, 977-1 over 70 snaps, as you mentioned, that's almost a full game. That's roughly a full game's worth of snaps. And I think that, that provides a little snapshot into what we can sort of expect from him on a near weekly basis. He at Ohio state, uh, Justin Fields averaged nearly 40 rushing yards per start. You know, he's a guy who runs sub four five and that's obviously going to be a huge part of his game. Yeah. I will say, I think you could say, Hey, Trey Lance is better because the team, the environment, the coaching is just so much better than it is in Chicago. And I, I buy that to some degree, but man, fields can mitigate that with a lot of rushing, especially if you think that the Lance rushing stuff in the preseason is real. We'll see on that. Carson Wentz, man. I mean, dude has foot surgery or whatever happened to his foot already back on pra- back at practice. Did the first hour of practice in seven on seven was all Carson Wentz on Monday. No soreness or whatever. He comes back. He's passing again Tuesday. At this point, I'd be shocked if Carson Wentz didn't start week one. You have Michael Pittman up at 103rd overall wide receiver, 48. I believe you've bumped Jonathan Taylor back up slightly from where he was. What are you thinking about the Colts now that it seems like Carson Wentz is going to be back for week one? Yeah, I mean, I still think that a lot of questions remain. Carson Wentz was one of the worst quarterbacks in football last season. Uh, Even though it looks like now he has a a decent chance to start week one, what is his his health situation going to be? I mean, Carson Wentz is, is a good athlete when he's at 100%, and his legs were a big part of his game. Um, is any of that going to be compromised as he comes back from the injury? Is he going to trust the foot, you know, and enough to pull off scrambles? And, you know, is, is he going to be, is he going to have setbacks uh, early in the season? I mean, I, I still think a lot of questions remain. He's not a quarterback that I'm targeting really even in two quarterback leagues. Um, but I, I do think that him being out there is good news for Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is, not necessarily a big time separation receiver and Carson Wentz one consistent theme throughout his career has been a willing to willingness to pull the trigger on tight window throws. And I think that their, their styles, their games could mesh um, as long as Carson Wentz can, can stay in there. Yeah. Bible narrative as well on Michael Pittman. I like Michael Pittman. I like him at ADP a little bit more than Jonathan Taylor, but certainly no problem with Jonathan Taylor. You have him 15th overall, Evan. I think a lot of people have at least a chance to get him there. Let's go to Irv Smith. So Tyler Conklin's missed both preseason games, but I was still encouraged that Irv Smith played 15 of 15 snaps with Kirk Cousins. I don't know if that there's a lot to take away here other than Irv Smith remains extremely young, Kai Rudolph gone, all this talk about Tyler Conklin. I have not bought it. Really, I think it's a good chance to buy dip on Irv Smith. And Irv Smith, to me, is a major breakout candidate. And there's not a lot to go around from a volume perspective, but man, he can score plenty of touchdowns, especially if you think Adam Thielen's touchdown rate regresses. So I like Irv Smith. I don't think there's a lot to say here, but I do like Irv Smith. And just wanted to point out 15 of 15 first team snaps with Kirk Cousins. Any thoughts on him, Evan? Yeah, Irv Smith, I drafted in the first FFPC main event draft that I did this year. And I've drafted him in another in, in a number of other spots. I think he's at this point my highest drafted tight end. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, we look back at those comments that Mike Zimmer made just before training camp where he was like, you know, Irv Smith's role isn't going to change. You know, Tyler Conklin's going to fill the Kyle Rudolph role. You know, first of all, Mike Zimmer is a defensive guy. 
and uh, he's not necessarily dictating offensive usage. And I think that Irv Smith is talented enough to buck what, um, what Mike Zimmer's expectations were for him and to just earn that role. I, I really like him as a pick. Um, he's going right around, I think, like tight end 12 yeah. or so. And I think he's a value pick there. Yeah. Um, and and, and your- if something were to happen with Justin Jefferson or, or Adam Thielen, like the floodgates can open for Irv Smith. Yeah, you have him TE10 ahead of Fant, ahead of Jasicki, ahead of Goddard, who we'll get to in a second. Speaking of preseason usage, Najee Harris, man. I mean, we expected this, but it's still good to see. And it's eye-opening in today's NFL to see it. Snaps with the starters this preseason. Najee Harris, 45. Anthony McFarland, 6. Everyone else, 0. I mean, this is setting up for Najee Harris, like Le'Veon Bell type usage. And we know Mike Tomlin likes to do this, even with guys that aren't that good. I mean, he tried to do this with D'Angelo Williams. Uh, Rashard Mendenhall, if you guys remember him, had the role for a little bit. James Conner had the role for a little bit too. It's just, they are the one of the few teams that like to use one running back. You have moved Najee up to your RB10 in the latest rankings, ahead of Mixon, ahead of Antonio Gibson, ahead of Nick Chubb. Talk to the people about Najee. Yeah, and the big concern for most people was the offensive line. But as we've discussed, that's an overrated uh, negative factor as it pertains to Najee Harris because you, you want to bet on guys that have a chance at 350 touches. And right now, I don't know if you could name six or seven backs with a better chance at 350 touches than Najee Harris. That's been the blueprint for the Steelers since they, um, the ownership sort of issued a mandate for them to get back to running the ball. Um, and the, the blueprint is the Le'Veon Bell blueprint for Najee Harris. And I think that that's the kind of usage that they're expecting out of him. He's built to, to carry the load. He can play in the past game. He had 80 catches over his final two seasons in college, and he's going to run between the tackles. I don't think he's going to have a high yards per carry average, but we don't care about that. Um, we care about the touches, the touchdown opportunities, and the receptions, and he's going to be you know high in the mix for, for all of those. Yeah. I mean, the high-value touches for Najee going to be involved in the past game. If you've watched the preseason games, I mean – Ben is checking down to him regularly, and he's going to get the goal line work. High value touches for Najee, like him, in the second round. If you go and read my perfect draft article from a week or two ago, I had Najee in there as one of my favorite second round picks. This Zach Ertz thing, man, Zach Ertz still on the team. And I know we keep talking about this, but as each day goes by, it's just worse and worse for Dallas Goddard. You've moved Dallas Goddard down to TE13. I think the market's starting to catch up here. I talked about it on the market Monday podcast and at some point Dallas Goddard's going to become a value but man right now it's tough for Dallas Goddard to pay it off with Zach Ertz still on the roster and also Jalen Hurts going to be up and down as a thrower and by the way some of these late round like last round Zach Ertz dart throws might end up looking good in best ball he's seen 39 targets in camp already which is third most on the team per Elliott Shore Parks so yeah man this Ertz Goddard stuff is is playing out I gotta say not as I particularly expected I expected Zach Ertz to be gone. What do you think about drafting Zach Ertz real late? And what do you think about Goddard now? Yeah, I have uh, Zach Ertz right now. Uh, I think is tight end 22 and I'm going to have to move him up um, because it continues to look like he's going to play a, a fairly significant role in the Eagles offense. And as long as he's doing that, Dallas Goddard is going to be a part-time player. So I, I don't think we can rely on Dallas Goddard right now as a starting fantasy tight end. Um, I, I think that he's, you know, he should be valued as a tight end too. his ADP, uh, though 
it had it had gotten as high as tight end seven uh, yeah. in the um, in the football guys championship ADP. So yeah. I, I think that he was clearly overvalued at that point. Uh, I want to get to the Miles Gaskin stuff because we spent a bunch of time on it last week and we said, hey, listen, they could have just been doing weird stuff in week one. It could easily flip in week two. And that's what happened in preseason week two. Malcolm Brown got just five snaps with Tua. Miles Gaskin led the way with 19. Savan Ahmed mixed in for 13 snaps with Tua. Gaskin also got half of the third down snaps and all of these snaps inside the 10 yard line for Miles Gaskin. So look, it, it was a lot better. I, you know, and as I talked about on the market pod, you know, I want to be buying the dip on Gaskin if he gets out of that fifth, sixth round range. Seventh round, I think it's fine. Fifth, sixth to me is too early for Miles Gaskin, but he's clearly, clearly, clearly the best talent, running back talent in this room. So it was just encouraging to see him use that way. Still think that they're going to run some kind of committee, but Miles Gaskin is likeliest to win out. So good to see him back with the first stringers. How have you been moving him around in the rankings? Yeah, I think he's up to RB26 right now. I dipped him a little bit after the first preseason game down to RB30, but he's back up to RB26. And I think it's going to be just what you said. There is going to be something of a three-way committee with Malcolm Brown as, you know, the sort of the Daryl Williams, we should say, and, uh, you know, a, a solid pass protector. And he will be somewhat of a threat at the goal line. Salvin Ahmed as the change of pace back but uh, Miles Gaskin as the leader of the committee. Yeah, you have Gaskin right now, just slightly, but in the same tier as Jacob Sermon, Javante, Kareem Hunt, a little bit ahead of Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. I think that's about right for Miles Gaskin. Speaking of preseason usage week one to week two, so Antonio Gibson, I want to update the people on the Antonio Gibson situation. In week two, still no third downs. Still no third downs for Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick is taking all of those. But man, Antonio Gibson on just 21 snaps with Ryan Fitzpatrick, 11 carries and four targets on 21 snaps with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So yeah, can he access a top three, top five overall ceiling without third down work? I don't think so. Can he pay off a second round ADP even without the third down work? I think so. So it's good to see Antonio Gibson really involved in the pass game. And I mean, man, if something were to happen to JD McKissick and Gibson got into that third round, third down roll, hurry up roll, then it would be completely wheels up. So it's a tough situation right now. Gibson's still a player that I want to bet on, still a player that I like in round two. But in leagues, like home league settings, I've said that I would take Najee above Antonio Gibson, and I still feel good about that. I know you have Najee ahead of Antonio Gibson now as well. What do you think about Gibson without the third down roll? Well, his ADP, Antonio Gibson's ADP had climbed as high as uh, like the fringe first round, like the at the first round turn. I think that he is better valued at uh, the end of the second round. Um, but as you, as you mentioned, you know, he has still seen quite a bit of passing game action uh, so far in this preseason, even without playing on third downs. And last year, he had 36 catches despite playing only 37% of the Washington offensive snaps. I think that he can get up toward like 55% this year and still have a 45 to 55 reception season and, you know, finishes an RB1. But you're right. As long as J.D. McKissick is healthy, um, I think that Antonio Gibson's ceiling is a little bit capped. And, and J.D. McKissick is worth a draft pick. We drafted him last night in the main event. And, um, you know, he's, he's, we're, we're trying to piece together our RB2 spot. And he's going to be in that mix along with some of the other guys we drafted, like James White. 
Yeah, and yeah, and full PPR with you're looking for usable weeks. I think that's totally fine. Antonio Gibson is a different uh, profile than Derrick Henry, than Nick Chubb, than J.K. Dobbins, because again, Antonio Gibson is going to get targets on early downs. It's not like they're not going to throw to him at all. And I think 40 catches, even without the third down roll, is very, very possible for Antonio Gibson, if not more. Speaking of the Ravens, uh, Gus Edwards got off the COVID list and he actually outsnapped J.K. Dobbins with the starters 10 to 8. Uh, Gus Edwards also 3 to 1 on third downs, as your boy Daigle tweeted, your roommate Daigle. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a preseason thing. They're likely just getting Gus back into the mix and wanted to give him some work. I still think Dobbins is going to be the 1A and Gus is going to be the 1B, but it's just a reminder that Gus is going to play plenty. The market's kind of on to J.K. Dobbins, particularly in tougher formats, particularly in full PPR. I just got, I'm doing a, a higher stakes best ball on DK and I got J.K. Dobbins in round five. And so like people are like completely off J.K. Dobbins in full PPR, tougher formats. I think in home leagues, he might go much, much higher. But yeah, I mean, we know Gus is going to be involved. This only confirmed that. What are you thinking on J.K. Dobbins now? Yeah, it sounds like he could be beginning to uh, become a value, J.K. Dobbins. Um, there, there's a lot of buzz around Gus Edwards, and um, you know, people talking about him as like a great zero RB pick, and I and I get it. He's going to have no reception ceiling. I mean, I think it would be a, an accomplishment if he got to 15 catches on the year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. My hope is that he could get like 35, but that would be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's in such a great rushing environment. They're going to have a good offensive line again, um, you know, playing in the same backfield as Lamar Jackson. Like they're going to score a lot of points. You know, this team has led the NFL in point differential in each of the last two seasons. Uh, so he's going to, he's, he's a big play threat. And, um, you know, he's, I mean, he's essentially like arbitrage Nick Chubb, you know, mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, you, you sometimes have to use a first round pick. You certainly have to use a top 20 pick on him. But then you can get, I mean, if you're taking J.K. Dobbins, you know, in the fifth round, like you're getting a lot of equity there, you know, and, and I think that they're almost in incomparable situations, Nick Chubb and uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I think in most formats, J.K. Dobbins will go in the third, maybe end of the third, full PPR, maybe he can slip to the fourth. But you have him right around Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. I think that is about right. Let's get to the injuries, more injuries from the Monday night game. Adam Troutman and Nick Vanette both went down last night. We talked about Juwan Johnson before, man. I mean, Juwan Johnson was already playing the pass down role ahead of Adam Troutman. Juwan Johnson, former wide receiver, has now played 60 snaps this preseason. 32 of them slot or wide has seen five targets on his 60 snaps. Jameis is out there slinging it. There's a good chance it looks like now. Uh, Jameis is going to start, or at least has a good chance to start. What do you think about this Juwan Johnson kid? It seems a bit thin to me in normal formats, but there's some deep formats. There's some tight end premium formats mm-hmm. where maybe people want to start thinking about Juwan Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's where he should be valued right now. I think that in tight end premium drafts, he, he should be draft, And we, we got him with almost like the, one of the last picks in the draft last night. Um, and I think that he probably deserves to go a couple of rounds ahead of where we got him. Um, but yeah, we, we still don't know the extent of these injuries to Adam Troutman and Nick Vanette. Um, but I mean, I, I think that Juwan Johnson has a chance to, to, to rise, you know, I, it, it, the situation is a little bit, in, a little bit similar, I think to Darren Waller a couple years ago. And I'm not saying that Juwan Johnson is going to, um, you know, pop up and, and be a monster like Darren Waller became, 
but where as training camp progressed, it just became more and more clear that this guy is going to be a factor. Um, whereas at the beginning of training camp, you know, nobody even really kind of acknowledged him. Yep. And speaking of guys rising in training camp, we got to talk about this Tony Jones thing because Tony Jones, I mean, the beat writers are all over this, that Tony Jones is ahead of Latavius Murray or at least outplaying him. And then on the broadcast last night, the ESPN guys say Sean Payton told them, Sean Payton says, if you ask me today, my number two running back is Tony Jones. I mean, there's major implications here because I thought Latavius was a reasonable pick. I think there's implications for Alvin Kamara as well. If you don't think Tony Jones takes as much as Latavius was going to take from him. So I know you know Tony Jones well as an Notre Dame guy. What can you tell the people about Tony Jones? How real do you think this is? Do you think Latavius makes the team? How's the running back situation going to play out behind Alvin Kamara? Yeah, Tony Jones is like a big back, um, sort of like Latavius Murray, not quite as good in the passing game. Uh, I don't think he had 27 receptions in his four-year college career. Uh, but he's a big like hammer back early down, you know, complement to more of like a, a space back like Alvin Kamara. So I think that that's what they like about him, that he's going to get like the tough yards between the tackles. Um, he might be a factor at the goal line, but I, I, I tend to believe that he probably won't because Alvin Kamara is so valuable in their scoring position offense. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not super, you know, on to, to, on to Tony Jones, but he does make sense as a, as a super late round pick. They do have Devontae Freeman on the team. Mm -hmm. Also speaking of the age model, I mean, Latavius and Devontae Freeman, both grading out very poorly in the age model, but man, I thought Latavius was a pretty good pick in like the 11th round. If Tony Jones is going to have this role and you can get Tony Jones in like 16th, 17th, 18th, that has a chance to pay dividends. Underhill at this point, I think is saying it's around 50, 50. He doesn't know what's going to happen in this battle between Latavius and Tony Jones. And so we'll just have to see how it plays out. Speaking of young backs, tough look for Michael Carter again in week two preseason, 22 snaps. The starters played, Zach Wilson played 22 snaps, zero for Michael Carter. Ty Johnson played 12, Tevin Coleman played 10. And in week one, remember when Tevin Coleman didn't even play, I mean, Carter didn't even get pass downs there. Ty Johnson got the past towns in that setup. So we've backed off Michael Carter a little bit. We don't want to overstate this because we still think at the end of the year, Michael Carter is likely to be the guy, but it's not a good look for his early season outlook. I was targeting him in the ninth round. I made an adjustment to my perfect draft and eliminated him from the ninth round there. Now I think more like 11th, 12th for Michael mm -hmm. Carter is right. It's just a bit scary for his early season role. What do you think the Jets are doing? Because most of the reports actually had Michael Carter playing ahead in practices, but in the games, it's been Tevin and Ty Johnson. Yeah, it's hard to say with any level of certainty because it sounds like what is going on on the practice field is not translating to the preseason games. And so I, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's tough. I think that all these guys are draftable. Um, I think that Ty Johnson is the most explosive of, of the three. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really tough situation to forecast right now. And I think the probably what, what is going to happen early in the season is they're going to give each of the three guys opportunities. And then, you know, whoever plays the best, they're going to dictate, they're going to allow that to dictate who gets the playing time moving forward. And it's not going to be obviously a situation that anyone can rely on from even, you know, a, a desperation flex standpoint uh, in, in, uh, in, stand, in uh, managed leagues. Uh, and we're just going to have to kind of wait it out. And hopefully by week four or week five, somebody will emerge that's usable. 
Yeah, and this is what this new regime, which came from San Francisco, did in San Francisco. I mean, they let the best guys go out there and catch a hot hand and let the best guys who's ever playing the best play. So I think we'll see a similar thing for sure. Speaking of the Jets, Corey Davis balled out in the preseason game. His ADP is rising sharply. Talked about this one in the market pod on Monday. Also, Corey Davis up to wide receiver 45 in your rankings in that same range as Corlin Sutton, Jarvis Landry, Rondell Moore. I like that spot for Corey Davis. Also, I talked about some guys on Mon- on Monday who I would take him over at ADP. You can listen back to that. But yeah, I mean, let's not forget Corey Davis was an awesome prospect coming out. Got a $37 million contract from the Jets. I mean, very clear that they could do rotation at running back at the other wide receiver spots at tight end. I don't think Corey Davis is going to rotate out. So I think if there's reason to be excited about him, especially with Zach Wilson out there being aggressive, what do you think about Corey Davis right now? Yeah, and Zach Wilson continues to be the best of the uh, five first-round quarterbacks uh, in preseason games. He's looked really comfortable out there and willing to take shots downfield. And I think that Corey Davis is the clear favorite, as we, as we speak right now, to lead the Jets in air yards and potentially in targets. Um, now, Elijah Moore has been sidelined, mm-hmm. and that has prevented him from making progress. But Corey Davis, I, I've moved him up. I moved him up twice uh, within the last week, and he's up to wide receiver 45. He went in the seventh round of the FFPC main event draft that we did last night. So the, the hype is strong and building. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse on this Cowboys stuff, but for the first time in three games, the Cowboys had all their wide receivers playing in the preseason game. CeeDee Lamb played 15 snaps. Amari Cooper played 13. Michael Gallup played 11. Slot snaps, Michael Gallup only got one. Amari Cooper got two. CeeDee Lamb got eight. And so, I, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse on this. I just think that without a variation in Michael Gallup's route tree, he's going to struggle to pay off a sixth or seventh round ADP. And I still like Michael Gallup. His contingent usage is awesome. If Lamb or Cooper went down, Michael Gallup would absolutely erupt. So I don't want to say bad things about Michael Gallup. Awesome talent. I just think his role is worse than Lamb and Cooper's and his talent is worse than Lamb and Cooper's. And that's it. So that's all I'll say about that, man. I know we've beaten this to mm-hmm. a pulp. Yeah, and you know the the rhetoric that he was going to all of a sudden get a bunch of slot snaps from early in camp. I mean, that's that's kind of fading away at yeah. this point. And I, I do think that he's going to be like the he's going to probably lead the team in. Well, I don't want to say he's going to have more perimeter routes than Amar, Amari Cooper, but he's probably going to have the highest percentage of perimeter routes among the Dallas among the Dallas pass catchers. Um, I, I like him where we got him in the draft last night. We got him, I think, eighth round. Yep. Um, as you were saying, he was a little bit overvalued when people started taking him at the end of the fifth or in the sixth. Let's move to the Lions receivers. And I was wrong on this one, man. I, I thought Brashad Perriman would be kind of the default number one receiver for Jared Goff in this just terrible wide receiver core they have. Reports are that Brashad Perriman has struggled with injury, has played so poorly that he's now on the roster bubble. I believe you've dumped... Brashad Perriman all the way out of the top 150. I bet props yesterday, if you're following along with the props article in the draft kit, I bet under on Brashad Perriman props at 750 yards. Yesterday, it just looks like Brashad Perriman's in big trouble. And and that sucks because I did take a bunch of Brashad Perriman earlier this offseason in best ball. What do you think happened to Brashad Perriman? And is he really dusted? I mean, losing out to the guys like that they have is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's been hurt. Um, and the way that Dan Campbell has been speaking lately, it sounds like Brashad Perryman might not, might not even make the 53. Um, so yeah, I mean, he definitely does not belong in the 150. He's out of there. And, uh, the, the expectations obviously should be pretty low for him at this point. It sounds like Tyrell Williams is the clear number one. That's, 
That is trash for the Lions. Um, and then Amon Ra St. Brown is the only other Lions receiver guaranteed to make the team. Yeah. I was watching the Chiefs game on Friday and, you know, I kind of had it on in the background and I was like, oh my God, Mahomes is throwing to Miko just constantly. Of course, Tyreek didn't play. So there was, a, it was kind of two sides of a coin. Good thing is, Miko saw six targets on Patrick Mahomes' 18 pass attempts. I mean, outrageous, but it kind of lends credence to the fact, to the rhetoric that, oh, Miko is just Tyreek Hill's direct backup. So when Tyreek Hill sits out, yeah, Miko gets six targets on 18 Mahomes' attempts. And by the way, he was not productive, Miko wasn't. I mean, they did not look like they were on the, it looked like Super Bowl all over again. They did not look like they were on the same page on those six targets. So what do you think about Miko's usage in the Friday night preseason game and how it shakes out it's another one where i'm just kind of like you know this has been a, an ongoing frustrating situation for a long time we'll we'll get teased you know every now and again that he's you know emerging and i just i just feel like it's the it's the status quo you know it's same, same old same old with miko hardman yeah i'm still I, I still like him i mean we're still above market on him yeah, by the way right in these in these apps that I've been looking at for the default rankings article, I mean, he's like 130th in these apps. Like, he's like totally dusted by the public. The public does not believe in Miko at all. So, you know, in kind of casual formats, I still think you can get him ninth, 10th, 11th round for sure. I mean, he plays in a great offense. He's got big playability. You know, that yeah. you put those two things together. And yeah, I mean, he's someone that I'm willing to bet on ninth, 10th, 11th round, no question. Two more to get to here. Uh, Cam Newton is on the COVID list. Mac Jones is playing really well. I know you said Zach Wilson is your favorite or you thought he's played the best. Mac Jones played really well also in the preseason. And James White is obviously getting 100% of the third down snaps. If Mac Jones is the starter and and James White is getting 100% of the third down snaps, as I expect him to, James White is going to be a value in PPR leagues. Also, you made a move on Jacoby Myers in your rankings up to wide receiver 53 now. Talk to the people about that and Mac Jones. Yeah, if Mac Jones is in there, the Patriots are just going to have a shot at a, a more efficient, you know, true pocket passing style offense. And that's going to benefit all the pass catchers. I mean, and, you know, it's Cam Newton isn't going to be vulturing touchdowns at the goal line. And, you know, the, the completion rate is, is going to be higher for the team. So I think it benefits not only Jacoby Myers and, and James White, but also guys like Nelson Aguilar, who no one wants to draft. I mean, his, his ADP is like wide receiver 68 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Jacoby though, man. Former team preseason, just torched 2019 preseason and now ready to be, I think, the best receiver on the Patriots. Uh, last one we're going to do here, the Eagles stuff. So Devonta Smith, I know he had that knee scare earlier in training camp. He's fine. He played 26 snaps in their preseason game. Looked reasonably good. Quez Watkins is the interesting one. So I thought that Greg Ward would open the season as their slot receiver. It looks like maybe they're going to go with Quez Watkins on the inside with Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith on the outside. I mean, maybe not as reliable as Greg Ward, but Quez Watkins has much more big play, explosive ability, really fast. I don't know about drafting Quez Watkins with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, but at least there's a chance and maybe he's better. Then Jalen Rager, I don't want to say that because I still like Jalen Rager some, but maybe there's like a 10 or 20% chance he's better and beats out Jalen Rager also. What do you think about Quez Watkins and how he fits with the Eagles now? I think he's going to be sort of like, you know, a player that they throw wide receiver screens to and and let him and let him make plays after the catch. Um, they, you know, they, they've got a lot of athleticism in their skill position core. I mean, I, the, none of these guys have really done it. 
you know, but they're all young and they're really good athletes. Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and, and Goddard and Jalen Rieger and uh, Quez Watkins. I mean, they, they've got some speed mm-hmm. on offense. And I think that that's what they're trying to go for here by using Quez Watkins, giving him this shot to win the slot receiver role over Greg Ward because of the athleticism that he brings to the table and, and the, the big play ability. I mean, the, the dude runs four, three, seven. We saw what he did on that long uh, screen pass touchdown earlier in the preseason. Yeah, for sure. And I have Quez Watkins on my radar. I wouldn't be drafting him yet in standard size formats, but he's at least somebody that I am watching. All right, we have said it all on top 150 changes, preseason usage, news, injuries, etc. If you do not have the draft kit yet, pick it up $34.99. If you're playing DFS this season, get in there on the bundle as well. We will be back for uh, later this week for one of the favorite episodes I know people love each year. Evan and I will go round by round and identify our favorite players in each round to draft. I know the people look forward to that one every year. That should be up Thursday or Friday. Stay tuned for that for producer luke for evan i am adam good luck everybody (laughs) 